The Pittsburgh Penguins are set to be back in action tonight against the Nashville Predators. And for today's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Pat and I are going to preview that game, plus how it looks like Brian Rust is going to return. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host Patrick Damp. You can follow him on Twitter at Cinnamon for Wet, and you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL today up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. So, It's a game night here in Pittsburgh. The Penguins will travel to Nashville to play the Nashville Predators, a team that has won five in a row after losing 10 of their first 15 games. And Pat, I'm going to hand this over to you right away because you kind of see this as a little bit of a fluke for the Predators. I'm kind of on the same boat. I don't fully know what to make of this team. Yes, Philip Forsberg is off to a tremendous start this season. He has 11 goals and 25 points in 20 games has easily been their best player. Ryan O'Reilly was a really smart pickup by Barry Trotz over the offseason. He has 10 goals, 18 points in 20 games, and he's also second on the team in goals. And another fun fact, both Forsberg and O'Reilly, they're the only two players on the Predators who are have or excuse me, who have double-digit goals so far this season. It's basically been a two-man show for the Predators. I mean, Gustav Nyquist has been decent. Roman Yossi, we all know, is one of the best defensemen on the planet. But in terms of their scoring, it's mainly been just those two guys. So I'm just going to hand it over to you because again, you seem to think this is a little bit of a fluke for their five game winning streak. Yeah. I put a Superman cape on Philip Forsberg because he has been single-handedly keeping this team afloat. He's great. But, but you look at the last, the, the five game win streak and it's not a lot of impressive teams. Now I will couch this and say, you can only play the games that are in front of you and on your schedule. You can't say, Hey, Mr. Official, this stretch of the schedule is not cooked right. Please take it back. These wins don't count. But you look at their five-game win streak. They have beaten, in order, Chicago. I know, Penguins lost to them, but we know who they are. Colorado, okay, very good win, very good team. Calgary, eh. St. Louis, eh. Winnipeg, eh. Like, four of the five games are against teams that Given this Nashville roster, while it's not totally impressive, when you've got a top end of guys like Philip Forsberg, Ryan O'Reilly, Roman Yossi, Gustav Nyquist, and uh, Roman Yossi again, UC Saros in net, those are teams you should beat, with the exception of Colorado. Colorado's a very good win. Regardless of how it happened, you get the win over them, you get the win over them. But I look at this five-game win streak, and I'm like, you know what? this is a team that's kind of in the same position as the penguins are right now. They're trying to find an identity. They're trying to figure out who they are and they're getting some bounces and they're getting some help where they need to get help. So for the penguins tonight, you put these rosters up to each other right next to one another. I think you have to give the advantage to the penguins and they are a very good candidate to end this five game winning streak that Nashville has. 
I agree. And, you know, I will say Winnipeg is off to at least a decent start this year, 12-6-2. They've won eight of the last 10 games, but I'm still not that high on them this year. And that win against Colorado was a very fluky win. The Avalanche, it's funny, they had the lead heading into the final minute. They give up the tying goal, and then Nashville scores the game-winning goal 15, 20 seconds later, and they get out with the two points, and Colorado doesn't even get a point. Even though it looked like for most of the game, Colorado was going to get the two points, and Nashville was not. That was just a very fluky win in general. And we all know how good UC Soros is. He's one of the best goaltenders on the planet. But this year, I will say he has not played like it. In the month of November, especially, he only has an 882 save percentage for the whole year in general. 79, 3.05 goals against average, 898 save percentage. This is a goalie that can be had right now, but I will also stress the fact to everyone, he can turn it on at any time. I mean, if you look at his past two starts, he's starting to play like the goalie that, you know, he's what we all know he can play at throughout his career on the 22nd against Calgary in that 4-2 win he was 9-23 against Winnipeg in a 3-2 win he was 9-41 two very good games from Soros potentially building something after a really slow start to the season the Penguins are going to have to find ways to really make him move in the net because I know he's a little bit of a smaller and a little bit of a shorter goalie but he still makes saves after save after save and again, even though he struggled this season, he is still going to be a tough goalie to beat. Always. And conversely, you look back at what last five games for the Penguins have been. Carolina, legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Vegas, Stanley Cup champions. New York Rangers, arguably, if arguably if not for a fact, the best team in the Eastern Conference. Buffalo, good team that's figuring it out, but not great. Toronto Maple Leafs, another great team in the East. So, but then here's the funny part. So if you go to natural statric and you just look at the, the stats for the season and you uh, sort it by expected goals for percentage, number eight in the national hockey league with a 52.9 percentage, the Nashville predators, guess who's number nine, the Pittsburgh penguins with 52.8. So again, these are two teams that when we are, that are both 20 games through the season and kind of look like mirror images of one another. And it's funny because I was looking at Money Puck before you brought up Natural Statric. It's basically the same thing. The Penguins are seventh in expected goals at 53.66%. The Predators, eighth, 53.65%. And then in terms of the actual goals, the Penguins had 57.4% of those. The Predators at about 52%. Andrew Burnett has them playing more offensive hockey this year. This is not John Hines behind the bench anymore, people, who's just going to lead a more defensive-minded system. We're going to see how he does in Minnesota, and that's a move that I disagree with when it comes to Billy I was going to say, we're going to see how John Hines does behind a bench again because he's got another job. Right. <laughs> Billy Guerin canned uh, Dean Everson on Monday and brought in John Hines to coach the Wild. It's a move that I disagree with, but you know I'm not the host of the Locked on Wild podcast. If you want to learn more about that, go listen to Seth Topol of Locked on Wild. But Andrew Burnett, we all saw what his team did in Florida before he got canned. They bring a lot of offense. You're seeing that so far this season. I think Forsberg especially has benefited from Brunette behind the bench and O'Reilly. But, you know, you look at this team. I mean, they're still, even outside of those two big guns, Pat, there is some talent here. I mean, you have Kiefer Sherwood, who's in your top six. Colton Sissons can still play. You have Tomasino, who I guess is fine. Michael McCarron. I already talked about Gustav Nyquist. Roman Yossi's on the back end. They have one of the best names in hockey, Evangelista, I believe is how you say it. I hope I did not say that wrong. Pat, you can yell at me if I just said that name wrong. Luke Evangelista. Evangelista. 
totally screwed that up by accident. That's my fault. Again, that is one of the greatest last names, I think, in the NHL. You know, again, you got Roman Yossi. I mean, Ryan McDonough, he's fine now, but I don't think he's a top pairing defenseman. Tyson Berry can still play. But again, even outside of those top two guns of O'Reilly and Forsberg, there is still some talent here, not as much as other teams, but there are still some decent to good players on this team. Yeah, yeah and especially in biggest, Roman Yossi's case, he's an all-star. The biggest, so. the biggest thing here right now is you look at the the comparison for the Penguins of the top-end talent when you've got Brian Russ with 16 points, Eric Carlson with 18, Malkin with 18, Gensel with 23, Crosby with 24. That's that's a high-end group that's producing, but then you go over to Nashville, Forsberg with 25, Ryan O'Reilly with 18, Roman Yossi with 15, Nyquist with 15, and then it drops off where Novak and Evangelista have 12, Sissons and Sherwood have 10, and then it starts really dropping off again. So tonight for the Penguins, this isn't so much a matchup of your depth has to be better. This is a simple matchup where your stars have to be better. If your top-end guys play better hockey tonight, which, again, I said it already, you compare these two rosters side-by-side, and the Penguins have the better roster. They just have to play like it tonight. I agree. I I think the top line should be able to feast tonight. I also do want to see the second line start to get some of that mojo back. Evgeny Malkin has been a bit quiet as of late. So is Riley Smith. I'm hoping that that changes in this one because that would be big if the second line could get back to basics a little bit, but I agree. I think if the top six outperforms Nashville's top six, the Penguins should be able to win this game. And I assume Tristan Jari will start in that. If he continues to play like the good Jari, I think he should be able to outdo UC Soros, but we all know that Soros can turn it up at any time. And he especially has in his last two games, but I think that will do it. If you have anything else to add. Yeah. There's one thing I wanted to add here real quick for tonight. I'd like to see, and we're going to get into it here in the next segment. Should Brian Rust return? I think the best roster move Sullivan can make is to put Brian Rust back with Crosby and Gensel. And instead of putting DOC back in the bottom six, put him on Malkin's wing. Because I I do think Malkin plays pretty well when he has a guy like Riley Smith on his wing. The guy on his right, if he is just a blue-collar, fast, hard worker on the forecheck, it's going to help his wing a lot more. So I think DOC would actually do pretty darn well because he is very much a poor man's Brian Rust. And I mean very much a poor man's Brian Rust. But I think if you put him on that line, it will help jumpstart his game and get Smith and Malkin back on track. Right. I I wouldn't mind that per se, just because I haven't seen anything from Alex Nylander to, I guess, have him warrant a spot in the top six right now. And I understand Brian Rust has been out, Ricard Raquel is out longer term. You don't have that many options right now, but Alex Nylander just hasn't done the job on Malkin's wing. So if you do want to maybe move him down the lineup a little bit to the third or fourth line and then put O'Connor on the second line, who had a really good game against Toronto over the weekend, I don't think I would mind it that much. I I think I'd rather have O'Connor than Nylander on the second line in general. But that would do it for this first segment. Coming up in the second segment, Pat and I are going to get into the big news regarding Brian Russ and whether he's going to return tonight, plus how – The Penguins, they did make some more personnel changes to the power play, but we'll have to see if those actually translate to some results. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about Sleeper, which is the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is the number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. You can do this by yourself. 
You can do this with your friends. Heck, you can even do this with your family, and you don't have to do daily fantasy hockey. You can do NFL, NBA, MLB when that starts up, and college football, especially with bowl season just around the corner. All you have to do is pick weather studs like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, Nathan McKinnon will record goals, assists. You can even do plus minus if you want to. And then you can also do goalies for saves and all that good stuff. And to win a one or a times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Penguins fans. You can win one or a times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. Start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See sleepers terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, we're back here in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Dam. So it looks like the Penguins are going to be getting some help on the injury front tonight. Brian Russ looks like he's going to be returning from his lower body injury, practiced fully on Monday. I didn't see line rushes tweeted out, but if they did do line rushes, I'm sure he was up in his usual spot. With Sidney Crosby, was also taking rushes with the power play as well. We'll get to that a little bit later. But, man, Pat, this is very welcome news for the Penguins considering his start to the season and how much he has meant to the team. Yeah, you can't discount his start because a lot of us talked about it with this season and how he had to bounce back. And while a lot of people kind of were getting into the discussion of whether or not Brian Russ still has it, if we can give ourselves some snaps and claps here, both of us kind of said – Last year was an anomaly. His shooting percentage was in the toilet. He was getting the same amount of basically the same amount of chances. The puck just wasn't going in. And then this year starts off nine goals, 16 points plus 10 before he gets hurt. And he only misses a a handful of games. So assuming he plays tonight, which I think all signs point to it, you usually aren't a full participant in practice. And then on a top power play unit, if you're not ready to go, now I could be we could very much be wrong. Maybe they're just easing him back in and getting him some reps before he plays again. Who knows? But I think all signs point to him returning. And the biggest thing for me is I think at this point, you put him on that top power play unit. Just there's no more there's there's what do you have to lose, basically? Right. And speaking of that, we'll just get into that right now. The Penguins, they did make some more changes to the personnel on their power play unit. That Crosby Malkin split, Pat. That lasted about one or two games, as expected. I mean, I was down for trying it, even though I haven't been that much of a fan of it, but I just wanted to be like, okay, you got to throw them into a blender to see what happens. This didn't work, so they kind of went back to basics a little bit. First power play right now, Eric Carlson, Sidney Crosby, Vinny Malkin, Jake Gensel, and Brian Russ. I'm fine with Brian Russ being there. Riley Smith gave it a spark for at least a game or two, but he's been cold as of late. I have no problem taking him off that top power play unit. You add Brian Russ there, someone who has scored quite a few goals for the Penguins this season. That's fine because he has a shoot first mentality when he is on the power play, which is something that, let's face it, a lot of these other players on that top power play unit right now, they don't have the shoot first mentality. It always feels like the Penguins are looking for that perfect play when the power play is out there. And if Russ can, I guess, maybe, I don't know, take charge on the power play, even though he's not quarterbacking it, maybe that'll lead to some of the other players you know, shooting it when they actually have the chance to. So I'm fine with Rust up there. It's looking good for me. What do you think about it? It's what ails this power play, I think. Add on what you said about him having a shoot-first mentality as a player in this power play missing a shoot-first mentality. It is what ails this this power play unit. I also I want to add in the fact that 
It's what I've said about this power play on Twitter and on this podcast. They play like they're entitled to goals. They play yeah. like they're going to jump over the boards and the other team's going to go, huh, well, it's the Penguins' top power play unit. A lot of talent there. guess we should just lay down and quit. And that obviously doesn't happen. That's not Brian Rust's game. It never has been Brian Rust's game. Brian Rust, despite having a scoring touch and making himself into a top six winger, Brian Russ is a blue collar player at heart. That dude works his ass off every time he's on the ice. That guy is shot out of a cannon every time he's on the ice and he'll go to the front of the net to get rebounds. He'll go to the front of the net with the puck to try to make a move and score a goal. And that is what this power play has been lacking. It is, it's an extremely perimeter passive power play. And when you have this much talent, there needs to be aggression. There needs to be a willingness to shoot. There needs to be a willingness to just have that killer instinct to say, we are better than you. We're going to score. And we haven't seen that yet. Inject a player like Brian Rust onto this top unit. And it's not a cure-all, but it's certainly something that I think could help. And for Brian Rust on the power play, would you stick his butt right in the front of the net and have him as a net front presence? Because let's face it, I haven't seen enough from Jake Gensel this year being in the net front. I think he's honestly better used as a sniper, but I would potentially look at put parking rust in front of the net and seeing what he can do with deflections and swinging the goalie and all this stuff. It obviously sucks that they don't have that Patrick Hornquist type. And speaking of Patrick Hornquist, we're going to discuss him in the final segment, but I honestly, I, I would use rust as a net front guy just to see what he can do in that situation. I mean, again, don't run the one three one anymore. Run an That's overload. It. Run an overload and put Brian Rust in front and just put Jake Gensel in the slot and put him in a position to shoot and put Evgeny Malkin on the wall as an outlet. Put Eric Carlson up top and keep Crosby as your quote unquote behind the net general and just overload and shoot the, this thing because your one three one's not working. It just isn't. So at this point. As always, I love to say, go back to basics, keep it simple, and try to fix what's ailing this this power play. I don't think they have the will or the skill to play this 1-3-1 anymore, so stop bashing your head against the wall and trying to make it work. Simplify your game and get back to something that might work. And yeah, just going off what you said, I think that would also require Tarudin making adjustments to his system for the power play, but based on what he's done so far this season, I don't know if he's really willing to adjust. And just to put out what the second power play was during practice on Monday, Chris Letang, Riley Smith, Alex Nylander, Jeff Carter, Redeem Zahorna. I still find it funny that Jeff Carter's on the second power play unit, but if you park his butt in front of the net, I'm sure you can maybe score a goal or two at some point, even though he's not really doing much else on that unit. But I think that'll do it for this second segment of today's show. Coming up to end the Tuesday episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast, we're going to discuss Patrick Hornquist and how the Penguins and the Florida Panthers are going to be honoring him in just over a week. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about Collective. If you run a solo small business, you're an army of one, but you still need a CPA, bookkeeper, separate payroll solution, and more. Let Collective take care of the paperwork while you take care of business. Collective is the number one financial solution for freelancers, contractors, and self-employed entrepreneurs that lets you focus on your passion, not your paperwork. Let Collective handle all the paperwork you dread like corporate formation and compliance, taxes, bookkeeping, 
accounting, and even payroll. And the best part, it's at a fraction of the cost of a CPA. Join the thousands of entrepreneurs who have saved an average of 10000 per year on taxes with their structure. And right now, Collective is offering a one-month free and no onboarding fee when you go to collective.com slash LockedOnNHL and tell them LockedOnNHL sent you. That's a $550 value for free when you go to collective.com slash LockedOnNHL. Remember, tell them LockedOnNHL sent you. One more time, that's collective.com slash LockedOnNHL and tell them LockedOnNHL sent you. All right, we're back here on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Dam. So, really cool announcement was made on Monday by both the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Florida Panthers. Both teams are going to be honoring the one and only Patrick Hornquist on December 8th down in Sunrise for a retirement ceremony for the legendary Penguin. I'm so happy about this, man. I love that the Panthers decided to do this when the Penguins come to town on December 8th. I thought that's just very fitting for the situation, considering how much success Hornquist had with the Penguins. The Penguins do not win those two Stanley Cups in 16 and 17 without him. And I'm just going to be so happy watching that ceremony, knowing what he did for this franchise when he was here. I mean, if you're watching this episode on YouTube, you see it. Like, I can't keep the smile off of my face because how do you not love this guy? And it's it's fitting – not just because obviously Florida was the last team he played for and then Pittsburgh before that it's fitting because he did the same thing for both teams. He really helped reshape teams that needed a reset in culture. The the Florida Panthers up until he showed up and while the seeds were being planted until he showed up, that team just didn't have a direction that they were starting to figure it out. They were starting to get pieces in place they finally have a stable ownership and front office that are actually committed to pushing this team forward and getting better. And the same thing happened with the Penguins before they traded Neil to Nashville to get Patrick Hornquist. This team was kind of soft. They were kind of divas. They were, they were kind of broken, compla- to be honest. They were broken. They, they yeah. always complaining to the referees, all this kind of, like a skilled team that didn't have any bite. And then Patrick Hornquist comes in and is it gives them exactly what they need. And the guy just, you know, you look, you look at the guy, the, the, the interviews that everybody gives about this guy, incredibly positive, upbeat, great in the locker room. But as soon as his skates touch the ice, he is going to kick your ass if you're not wearing the same jersey as him and you get in his way, he's not skating around you. Yeah. He's skating through you. And you watched all of the mic'd up segments of him from those Stanley Cup runs. From the moment he walks out of the locker room to the moment the final buzzer rings, he does not stop. Yeah. And he was exactly what the doctor ordered for both teams. And like, I, he's not a guy whose number you're going to retire. You, he wasn't that great, but he's a guy who, if you have a ring of honor or a hall of honor or anything like that, he should immediately be placed in it. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And you know, outside of his play on the ice and I'll get that, that in just a second, he was such a great leader for the penguins in that locker room. When I think the penguins really desperately needed another leader in that locker room outside of the core three, they needed someone else in there who could really speak up when needed to. And Hornquist 
was that guy. I mean, I saw so many media media availabilities when he would always send a message to the team, fans, whoever, when the, the team was struggling a little bit. And he was always knew exactly what to say in those situations. And then obviously when you go out onto the ice, you take a beating like he did in front of the net. And you know what? He shrugged it off and was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm still going to score from that area. And the way that he pissed off so many opposing fans, so many opposing players by parking his butt right in front of the net and just taking wax at the goalies, wax at players right there and scoring and all this other stuff. It was a sight to behold, honestly. And And the Penguins to this day, ever since he left, they still miss that on the power play and at five on five. They have not replaced Patrick Hornquist since he left. And I know it's easier said than done, but they haven't even come close to doing it. It just yeah, goes to show how great of a job he did at parking his butt in front of the net. He was a modern-day Tomas Holmstrom, in my opinion, and he played like it. Yeah, that's the funniest thing is everybody loves to say they haven't replaced him since he left. I don't know if you can because they don't make him like Patrick Hornquist much anymore. Uh, and to what you were saying about the way he parked himself in front of the net, I'm fairly certain, even though his life is going pretty well and things are going well for him on TNT, I think Henrik Lundqvist still sees Patrick Hornquist in his nightmares yep. because he tortured Lundqvist for years. And my favorite Patrick Hornquist story of all, just to show how intense and how real of a human being he was, was when he scored that goal in Nashville to win the Stanley Cup. And Sullivan tapped him on the shoulder to get him out there for the last shift for the empty net. And he just straight up turned around and went, I can't. I don't have it in me. I'm too emotional right now. I will not be a good enough player for you. And they didn't put him out. It, But just because, just to put it in perspective, like is it's not just because he scored a Stanley Cup, uh, what ended up being a Stanley Cup winning goal. He scored it against the franchise that drafted him as Mr. Irrelevant. He was the absolute last pick in that draft. And it was in Nashville. And it was right there. It it was just a perfect ending to that series, I think. And just uh, like I, I have missed having him as a penguin since he left. And it's pretty much impossible to replace a player like Patrick Hornquist. I agree. You can't, it's super hard to replace him on the ice, in the locker room, off the ice, all that good stuff. They are still missing him to this day. And I think they're going to miss him for a very long time. So that night's going to be a lot of fun. December 8th, down in Sunrise, Patrick Hornquist retirement ceremony. I hope everyone is watching that. And, you know, maybe some fans may shed a few tears just because of how much he meant to the Penguins organization during the Crosby Malkin Let's Hang era. But that will do it, I think, for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Really appreciate all of you listening to slash watching this one. Pat and I will be back with another episode for you all on Wednesday to recap the game against the Predators and then get you all set for the games later on this week. But again, that will do it for this one. Thank you all so much for listening to slash watching this one. And we'll be back with another episode for you all on Wednesday.